Good morning. There's an awful lot of emotions going through my mind this morning. For some of you that have not thought about it, today is a This was probably one of my hardest sermons to, to prepare for, knowing that it's the last time on a scheduled basis that I'll be here. My wife didn't help me any when she handed me a tissue before I left to come up here. She said, I think you might need this. And I had sort of been determined that I wasn't going to cry this morning. But that sort of went the way of all things this morning. So as I think about, and I read through some of Paul's writings and his benedictions and his farewells and I'm not going to do what he did. He often talked about his credentials. This is what I went through to get here. Well, this journey started on May 6th, 1991. And one of the verses that I was given that night, and I'll never forget it, is 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. Faithful is he who called you, and he will see that it gets done. That's my, that's my translation of it. But either way, this morning I want to talk a little bit about blessings and farewells. And when you go to the Old Testament, there are a few, but not very many. Jacob, in Genesis chapter 48 and 49, blessed his family. And if you read those, they were much more than just a blessing. They were a prophecy of their lives, what was going to happen. Joshua in 23 and 24, he gave his blessing or farewell speech. But one of the things that went in his whole speech was the verses were, be a separate people. Don't get tied up with the nations around you was basically his, his theme. Be separate. Don't get entangled. And then the last one of those that I looked up, I didn't take time to read all of them. Uh, there's a few others, but 
Uh, the last one I did was David. In 1 Kings chapter 2, he said to Solomon, after he gives him a list in that, in that about don't let this guy go to his grave and his gray hair and don't let this guy do this and don't let this guy. He goes through that list. But in that list, he says to Solomon, be faithful. In fact, he says so much to the, to the fact that if you are faithful and the next generation is faithful, there is a promise that there will be a king in our lineage on the throne of Israel forever. Well, of course, we know that didn't happen until Jesus came, and then that became the, uh, the king that's going to reign forever and ever after the lineage of David. So this morning, I want to go to first, I mean, second Corinthians. I told Mary, she asked me, she said, is it going to be short? I said, if I can do what Paul did, it'll be short. I can do it in about 45 seconds. Second Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 11. And this is and this is in the uh, New English version. Uh, uh, the King James puts the word farewell in it. But he says, finally, brethren, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That was Paul's benediction, or his farewell to them. And I said to her, I said, if I do that, we'd be done right now. Uh, it'd be very simple. But I just want to go through a, a couple things here. I want to list, there's four things, or five things here that he talks about. He starts out, uh, I should have brought my King James because that's what I wrote it down and now and this Bible's a little different. But he starts, it says, uh, rejoice and aim for restoration. And the King James said, be perfect. Basically, it means not for perfection, sinless perfection. That's not going to happen. It says, be mature, start growing. And Second Peter says in 3.18 says, grow in that grace. Grow in it. Don't get stagnant. Grow in it. And Hebrews, I'd like to read that one in Hebrews. Uh, John, uh, Jesus, this is referring to Jesus, said, uh, starting at verse 20. And this is a benediction, actually, but it has an awful lot in it. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the, from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, and this is the part I want, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasant in his sight through Jesus Christ. That was the whole deal. Equip. Jesus came to equip us. And Paul is saying that. Aim for restoration. Aim for maturity. Aim for growth. Uh, and another one of those, besides 
is 2 Timothy where uh, 3, 16 and 17, we grow by knowing what the word says. We grow by knowing what the word says. And then Ephesians 4, uh, 11 11 to 16, I think it is. No, that's not the right. Let's go to Ephesians 4. He says, and he gave, and, and this is through the church is how we grow. And he gave the, to some the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, and then it's all there. The same thing that Jesus came to do to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to grow. To, to, that was Paul's idea. If you read First and Second Corinthians, he was dealing with a very immature church. He was dealing with a very uh, hard church. They could fight like cats and dogs and not even think about it. Actually, they got to the point where they thought they were even doing right by fighting. Uh, but Paul says, grow. The second one there in, in uh, Corinthians is comfort one another. And in, a, in most translations and commentators, they use the word comfort there as a encouragement encourage one another help people to be faithful help people to be strong help people to grow first uh, corinthians or second corinthians one he talks about the god of all comfort the god who gives us strength to grow encourages to grow and i think of the two verses in john chapter 14 that is, has always been a comfort. They're often given it at, uh, at funerals. And the first one is, let not your heart be troubled. Doesn't matter how the bad the circumstances are, don't let your heart be troubled. And then in, at the end of that chapter, or toward the end of that chapter, he talks about the Holy Spirit giving us growth and there's, uh, it's 15 to 27 if you want to read it, but he talks about the Holy Spirit will bring all these things to remembrance. It's the way of knowing where we're going. The third and the, and the fourth one are probably the hardest two. The third one is agree with one another. And the fourth one is live in peace. Agree with one another. Doesn't mean we're all going to be 100% agreement in everything. But the things that are essential to the kingdom of heaven, we should be in agreement on. Those are the things we should be together on. Psalms 133 verse 1 gives the inference that pleasantness happens 
uh, when brethren agree, when people can work together. <clears throat> First Corinthians 1 verse 10, Paul gives an appeal to unity, to be unified, to work together. And Ephesians 4 verse 3, he talks about keeping the unity, which in all of them, the words before very much give the act, give the uh, indication that it's something we got to work at. It's not going to be an easy thing. It's something we have to deal with and we need to work at. And in Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, he talks about standing firm in one spirit and one mind. And there's a whole bunch of other ones after that, but that's where I thought I'd quit with those two. But standing firm, knowing where we're at with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit involved, and being of one mind, not being separated. First Peter talks about in, in 3, I think it's verse 8, of being in one mind, but then he adds two things to it. He adds, be compassionate and be in love. Do those two things. You can be in one mind. What did Paul say in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13? You know, you can have everything you want to do, and if you don't have love, you ain't got nothing. You're literally, one guy, I heard him, I heard just recently a, a message on it, and he said, a tingling symbol. He said, that's not really true. What he actually meant was he took a trash can upside down and he gave a kid a spoon and told him to beat on it. That's what it sounds like. And I thought that was a pretty good illustration of what it means. The other thing I thought about was if you've ever gone to a concert where there's a full orchestra and if you get there early enough, it is total chaos. If you sit there and listen, it is Total chaos. This guy's blowing this thing and this guy's stringing this thing and this guy's beating this. It's total chaos. But then when that conductor walks out there and he takes that baton and he raises it up and makes that first swipe, it is absolute perfection. And you sit there and you think, we went from this to this with one stroke. And that's the way it ought to be. We need to figure out how to put those together and learn to love and not be everybody on his own. And John 13, 35, Jesus said, people are going to know you because of your love for one another. They're going to know you because you love each other. And the fourth one was also not an easy one for us to agree. The third one, the fourth one, is to live in peace. I think it was Chuck Swindoll this past week said, what happened to the church at Pentecost? Because they were of one mind, one spirit, and now we have 
13 different denominations. What happened to that agreement? What happened to that living in peace? That first century church was together. And now we have splintered it to whatever. And I promise you, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be denominations up there. They're all going to be one in Christ. We need to learn to, to, to live in peace. The psalmist wrote in Psalms 34, verse 4, seek peace, and this again is work. Pursue it. Don't just seek it. You got to pursue it. You got to go after it. You got to stay with it. In 2 Timothy 2, 22, Paul writes to Timothy and he said, flee youthful lusts and all these other things. And then at the end of it, he says, pursue faith, righteousness, and peace. You got to pursue it. It's not something that's just going to walk in the door and be there. You got to pursue it. The fifth one is greet one another. And our culture's really a lot different, but there's a lot of cultures in the world today <clears throat> that still greet with a kiss on the cheek. Some, both cheeks, some, one cheek. But from what I understand in, re in doing some reading is it was a warm greeting. A friendly greeting. It was to make someone feel welcome. Someone you care about. Our culture has gone to a handshake. And now they've gone to a fist bump and all kinds of other crazy things. And I don't know what all the, what they all are. But the idea is to be friends, to greet each other and be friendly. Not just be friendly, be concerned. What's happening in the life of your brother or your sister? If you know something not quite right, be concerned. Show concern. And the last one is in verse 14. There's three things there, and I hadn't thought too much about it until I got to <clears throat> digging and the word trinity is never used in the King James version in fact I don't know if it's used in any translation as such but verse 14 has the trinity in it it, it shows how the, all of them go together the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His birth and his life. He gave, he came to give himself for us. For our sins. The love of God is the death and resurrection of Christ. His love is what compelled Christ to go to the cross for us. His love is what brought him back again so that we can have eternal life. And the last one, <clears throat> the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit. The communion. The Holy Spirit was the one who came. And when he came, it's when there was this thing we call the church. It wasn't before. It was when he came. That's when the church got started. And when you think about it, it takes all three of those working together to make a church. And it takes all of us working together to make that church work. So I want to encourage you to do these things. I know that, at least I hope, and I pray it will never happen at this church. But I know that Paul talks about ravenous wolves destroying the church. And one of those, and several of those reasons for that to happen are the reasons that are right here. We forget to try to be mature. We forget to encourage one another. We forget to try to work together and be of one mind. We forget to live in peace. And we forget to be a welcoming place for people. And so I encourage us to step forth And do what we can do to make this church prosper. To make this church a better place. I want to close this with one blessing. And I should know it by heart, but when I'm up here, it's hard for me to keep things straight. So I'm going to read it. But it's the blessing that God gave to Moses. And he said, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.